Welcome again to number five, episode number five of the Ordinary Saints podcasts. And I am here with, oh, my name is Sarah West, and I'm here with Richard Bonifant and Hilary Willett. Woohoo! Hilary's back again to talk about something very special that we have coming up uh, in our in the life of Ordinary Saints. Um, and I wanted to ask Hilary a little bit about it and then expand a little bit on some of the stuff that Hilary does because I think it's very interesting and timely. So Hilary, we have an art exhibition coming up yes, for Ordinary do. Saints. Could yeah. you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, earlier on this year, we were kind of dreaming about the things that we wanted to do. And one of the things that came up was we would really like to do an art exhibition. And uh, we felt that it would really push into uh, the touchstone of creativity quite well. Yeah, that is happening on the 15th of July at 7pm at St Matthew in the city. And basically the theme that we went for was Eyes to See. So that is a prompt for artists who want to contribute to basically reflect on how they see the church and to make something creative and submit it. And yeah. Yeah. And I I think that Eyes to See theme is a really great one, isn't it? Because it is prompting people, not just young people, right? But people to come and see, okay, how are young people seeing the church? Through, yeah. you know, how is it being seen through the lens of young people? Yeah. But also eyes to see for those who are coming along yes. to perhaps have a look and, and see that perspective for themselves. You know, yeah. the, the great things, the joyful things, you know, the things that we can really rejoice and celebrate. Yeah. But also perhaps the things that might be a little bit more uncomfortable to see. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a mix, I think, yeah. um, just from the submissions we've got so far. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff. Like some of them are really quite funny. Some of the uh, stuff that's going to be in there are um, really, really joyous. And some are going to be probably a little uncomfortable for mm. a few people because we see lots of things when we see the church. And I think artists have a tendency to look quite carefully, which can in itself be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So, Hilary, you said that some of the pieces might make us feel more uncomfortable, and you said that, and instantly my ears kind of pricked up, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, this sounds uh, interesting and maybe dangerous, and it makes me sort of think, well, actually, that makes sense, right? Like, Christian uh, art throughout history has often been about kind of resistance or mm. um, sharing difficult truths, mm. um, and there is quite a rich and deep history about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in art more broadly as well, there is often a theme of artists picking up on areas that sometimes would rather not see and and putting a spotlight on it and going, look at this thing, you know, how do you feel about this? Uh, it is a, a very, um, I think, quite important part of, of art, actually, is to kind of uh, push on the things that we would rather not pay attention to and, and yeah, ask the questions, how do you respond to this? And I'm really hopeful that, yeah, this will happen a little bit in, in the art exhibition. It is tricky, though, because there is always a line 
particularly when you know you're you're talking about older institutions and the the many many good things that uh, institutions can do for for the world and for society and in this case for Christians and for everyone really but yeah there's also this this other thing because I mean you've got the church in two two facets really you've got the church cosmic where we are uh, we commit to being about justice and love and fairness and mercy and all those sorts of really amazing things. And then you've got the church as an institution. And those things sometimes, uh, yeah, they can, they can be in a bit of tension. And I think the beautiful thing about art is that it has this incredible capacity to look at the church cosmic and go, what are the things that we are about? And are we executing them in the church institution? Mm. Yeah. And I think it's actually a really important part of what makes an institution healthy. Um, it's having those voices, those people who see things in just a slightly different way and going, but what if? Mm-hmm. What if there are people being missed? Mm-hmm. What if there are people being harmed by this? What if we can go better? We can do bigger. We can, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of things that art can do. And I, I personally think it, it taps into a little bit sometimes into prophetic witness where it starts to go, actually, the church, we need to, we need to be accountable. We need to recognize these things. And it's really important for us to be functioning as a healthy church. Yeah, lots to think about. Like it's certainly what you're saying really resonates with me uh, in lots of ways uh, because I do think there's some real historic truth to what you're saying in the sense of, Often the times in history where kind of the real church, meaning the church in the real world, has kind of fallen, is falling more short of that ideal, what mm. church is really meant to be. Yeah. Um, often those are the times where the church has become a bit enamored with itself. Yes. And gets a bit <laughs> excited about, oh, look at our institution. And at that point, that's when we start worshipping the institution yes. instead of the thing worshiping the thing that we're meant to be directing our attention towards, which is God. Yeah, yeah. Right? And and certainly historically, when the church starts falling into that, that's when people on the margins yeah. tend to experience the, the worst experiences of church. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, a lot of artists do exist on the margins. Like, yeah. it, it's part of what gives them that perception um, sometimes. But... But also I find it kind of funny how um, if, if there's anyone who's going to challenge the church, it tends to be those creatives because they, they just, you know, they have a little bit of a, a side to them that's just like, well, you know, stuff this. I'm going, to, I'm going to show this anyway, regardless of how you feel about it. And so it really like challenges that enameredness um, that the church can fall into and goes, no what about this, you know, Mm. uh, really pushes back quite hard sometimes, which is amazing. And it's funny how, like, it's similar, sorry to go on a a really long tangent, but it's similar to the whole thing of um, that, you know, artists are only recognised after they they die. Mm. And often it is because they push back so hard, you know, and, and it really upsets people in their generation. But then later on, you know, people go, wow, look at that. Look at what they did. They pushed. They, um, and they, they saw something outside of that culture, um, which is just incredible. I, th- I think it's quite interesting because, one, it takes a lot of courage to be in that space. Uh, and secondly, as we're talking, I can't help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing, okay, <laughs> where I say, this sounds very biblical to me, Yes, actually, yes. that we have a very – you know, in 
in the Bible, (laughs) (laughs) in scripture, we have many, many incidences or experiences uh, recorded of prophets Mm -hmm. who come in and speak to a community uh, and say, or to, you know, particularly people in power and will say, hey, this isn't okay. This is corrupt. Um, and of course, you know, some of these texts are really tricky for us to, 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 you know, unpack these days. But regardless, we do have that really solid biblical history as well yeah. um, in there. And so actually it is part of our Christian tradition, our Christian heritage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so for us to deny that and, and to say actually – you know, the institution or whatever we're doing is above critique, mm. it, I would say is actually, you know, denying something that is inherently part of who we are yeah. as the church and as the, as the developing, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Christian I mean, history, really. Look at, look at what the prophets did as well. Like, I mean, I think you're totally right. Like, prophets are necessary for the church and they always have been. And to be honest, they always will. And like... Um, but I mean, one of the things that gets me about the prophets, I realized this the other day was that they were creative. Like mm. they did crazy things sometimes. I mean, they, like they, they yeah, did. <laughs> like properly, <laughs> like, I mean, it's like installation art or performance art. Is, some of yeah. it, like, I mean, look at Ezekiel. Oh, I mean, he literally <laughs> yeah. bakes bread I mean, on excrement at one point <laughs> i mean like it's classic artist to yeah. be honest yeah. like that's totally what they do um and i mean they do creative things and i think it is because like creativity manages to kind of push in a way that isn't actually an argument anymore it's just saying look at this thing and so the prophets you know did that by writing poetry and um and by you know telling stories there's incredible stories in Jeremiah and in uh, in Ezekiel they they tell stories in order for people to see a different version of reality and that i think is how artists can tap into that prophetic strain is by telling a story and going Look at this. Yeah, I keep saying look at this, but, you know, that is what it is. Eyes to see, right? Look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they're pretty eccentric too. Yeah. Let's be fair. I mean, I I can't help but think of John the Baptist, eh? (laughs) Like... Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't walk around in wild animal furs and eat locusts and honey. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, we, that's, we're uh, so just, just a quick pointer there. There's definitely a new fad diet there. Yeah, you know, we've <laughs> had sure. paleo. Something to pursue. Now it's just like the next craze. Yeah. That's right. Insect and honey. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know we've become you know particularly those who've grown up in the church and heard these stories again and again and again you yes. know we've become desensitized to things yeah. like John the Baptist you know it's like yeah. oh you know camel camel fur uh, locusts that mm. kind of thing but actually if you think about it you know that's mm. that's pretty out there eh yeah. I mean I think we've become desensitized to prophets entirely like I yeah. think we really romanticize the idea yeah. of what a prophet is mm. and I think what you rightly point to Hillary is that you know. Prophets were really unpopular. Yes. Yeah. They, they said awkward, difficult things. They often did it really dramatically. I mean, <laughs> let's say, even, even that traditional <laughs> idea, right? Sackcloth and ashes. It mm. is a performance art, right? Mm, like, mm. I'm literally going to wear a sack and cover my face with ash. Mm, yeah. um, like, big, big dramatic gestures. But they were unpopular. They said mm. the things other people weren't prepared to say. And most mm. of them end up getting 
horrifically killed as a result. Mm. You know, we forget that Isaiah gets sawn in half. I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Jesus yeah. was crucified. Yeah. It's it's there. It's yeah. there in the Bible. It's there in our history, and mm. it's. I think it's awesome that you know we have this ability to have this art exhibition, and and it taps into that art as resistance. And I wanted to ask you a little bit as well, Hilary, about your art because I know that you know I personally am really inspired by what you do, um, and and take a lot of uh, you know courage uh, to pursue my own art from what you do as well. But uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you do, uh, yeah. please? Yeah, sure. Oh, gosh, it's so nice to hear this. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's just such a big dream for me to for people to start embracing their creativity in whatever form it is. Because um, so, much, so much of the time, particularly um, now, we put our emphasis on the product and what is made rather than the process and the process is just so good um so uh yeah so I write icons um I haven't written icons for very long and uh, I but I went to a workshop in August last year and it to be honest it just really uh transformed a lot of my thinking um I loved everything about it. It was like, it was a bit like duck in water situation (laughs) where I just, I like, I picked up the brush. I started painting on some board and was like, oh yeah, this, this is right. I like that. That's awesome. Can I ask a question before you continue? Yeah. You said write an icon. Yes. Uh, Just for those that, you know, might have a question because I certainly did at the beginning. When you look at an icon, it looks like a painting. Yes. So when you say write, what do you mean by that? So, um, so actually, there's a little debate around this, so I will explain a little bit. But um, traditionally, iconographers describe themselves as writing icons because you are writing theology. You're not just painting a picture. You are um, using very specific symbols and colors and processes that have theological meaning. So uh, in many ways, you are writing theology when you write an icon. Um, there is a little bit of pushback more recently uh, because it has bec- <laughs> become known that uh, Russian Orthodox didn't actually have a word for paint um, that was separate to write. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I got this fact off the internet. Like, hopefully it's correct. But like, Is that on Wikipedia? Yeah, no, it wasn't Wikipedia. I'm not that low. Like, it's on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Reddit. Yeah, Reddit much more way legit. more reputable. Much more no, legit. No, no, no. There were there are a couple of different sources and um and basically uh yeah there is some kind of thinking that it might have just been that people didn't have a distinguishing word but um but people have still adopted it as a uh, as a way of kind of recognizing that this isn't just art there is something else happening with with icons. Yeah, that's that ve- yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Sorry, I just needed to ask that question and sure. one more thing for people who are hearing you say icons. Yes what should they be thinking of, you know, because as a podcast, we can't show them what an icon looks no. like. Um, what, what, yeah. what, how would you describe it for someone who's listening? So, I mean, really basic. I mean, think gold leaf, uh, think halos, think the really old kind of images uh, that are done on walls sometimes and kind of frescoes where um, sometimes like a way of kind of recognizing an icon is to see that the dimensions aren't quite right. Mm. They're just like a little funny and... Um, 
And that actually has theological meaning as well. So you're saying like their noses are thinner than normal. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the way people are depicted primarily? Well, also the background. um, I mean, because the idea with icons is that you're looking so an icon, when you look at an icon, you're looking into the heavenly realm. So things like depth is different, you know. That's and so cool. It, it is very cool. Um, and so, like, you sometimes see tables or chairs that people are sitting on, and honestly, they do not look 3D. They look really wacky. Like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is, but it is also the face because, and very importantly, the face because, um, sometimes the eyes are too large or they're a bit too close together or that, you know, they're just a little bit weird. And part of the reason for that is, um, in an icon, the perspective is reversed. So instead of like, um, you know, with Da Vinci where he mapped out kind of 3d and how to make everything look super realistic, you've got a reverse perspective where the icon looks at you. And so what? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Isn't it, it is cool. Yeah. So it's meant to be that like everything about the icon is drawing you into the icon because it's a way of worship. Like it's a way of connecting with God and entering into the heavenlies through an image. So I I once had someone say to me that all of this really freaked them out. Yeah. To be honest, they were like, I don't get icons because, and and I think this is fair enough, honestly, like if you don't understand it, Mm. um, where they were like, it just looks like you're worshipping a piece of art. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, if if someone like that is listening, you know, who, who thinks that, and I think that's a valid, you know. Thing to be thinking if you if you haven't sort of entered into the world of contemplative you know prayer with icons or praying with icons mm. um can you maybe respond to that a little bit so like sure. is it is it worshiping a piece of art like what is it that we're doing when yeah. we say we're praying with icons honestly I was I was one of those people so I I totally get this concern um I grew up in a space that was um definitely not into icon um meditation um and uh, I thought, <laughs> to be honest, I thought like singing bowls were a little bit like too far, like into kind of maybe something slightly dodgy or like Eastern meditation. I yeah, I had a whole lot of like reservations around it, and um, and I've been on a definite journey around um, starting to think about like what it means to do theology well. And, um, and for me, my journey has definitely led me into a space of thinking that theology and embodiment cannot be separated. Mm. Like they have to go together. And um, that's actually one of the big justifications for icons is the recognition that Christ became incarnate and therefore material. And so we are able to represent Christ in an image um, as a result because it was already done, you know, it's, mm. it's already happened. Um, and like one, one example that I really liked was um, that it's also a way of remembering, like, let's say you were back in like 100 AD and you've, you've had someone that was really inspiring to you in the faith and that person dies. Then like you, you suddenly have one less person who's kind of praying for you in the flesh 
And so like I totally get the impulse to then kind of go, well, actually I want an image of that person, Mm. you know, and I want them to pray for me. The way that I had heard it described was it's asking friends to pray for you. It's asking you to be remembered. And I quite like that impulse. I don't think it has to be like worshipping because I don't think that's actually what's happening. I think it's more recognising that we are part of the communion of saints mm. and that we are, we are connected through our faith to Christians across time and space. So we are remembering them and we're also, um, yeah, if you, if you do go into the kind of asking them to pray for you, you're asking a friend to p- pray for you. Um, so I quite like that definition personally. There are others, absolutely, um, but that's the one I, I, I felt resonated with me quite deeply. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think my experience uh, with icons, um, praying with icons, uh, I, I really enjoyed when I first heard someone say, it's like windows into heaven. Yes. Uh, and for me, it sort of felt like picking up a photograph or something and, and seeing into something uh you know that that like you say does transcend time and space um but also kind of uh, allows you to reflect on on something much bigger but also not just reflect but connect mm. you know in a way that photographs connect you yes. uh and but also in the way that you can see through a window you know there's yeah. all these different kind of metaphors coming together yes and um the the way in which an icon kind of gazes at you yes uh I I, there's one particular icon actually I'll just tell a quick story uh when I was my first confession actually uh there was an icon sitting on the table and it was an icon of Christ and I remember um confessing and that that is a whole nother story in itself because that Mm. was a real game changer for me um that experience but I remember gazing at this icon um while I was confessing and uh at the first, I could hardly look this icon in the eye, to be honest, because I just thought, oh, it's like Jesus looking right at me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but after a while, it was like, almost like the gaze softened, you know? Like I look at it and it was almost like an, a reflection of my internal understanding of God, you know? Mm. When I first saw the icon, all I could feel was shame. And so I found it hard to meet the eyes of this icon, you know, of, of this of this you know image of Christ before me but by the time you know by the end of the absolution and all of that stuff actually this 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 image this face of Jesus was one of absolute love and grace and compassion um and you know that I think was a real uh, turning point for me in terms of uh, realizing oh my goodness you know these images well, they, you know, they're not divine in and of themselves, but they reflect something of not just what's going on inside us, um, but what what we're experiencing of yes, God yes. Uh, in in our own lives. Um, so I think that that's pretty that's pretty special as well. Yeah, and I I think you're right in that it is a window in many ways because, um, like any iconographer that I have kind of read about, and when they're talking about what icons are, they they say. We're worshipping God. Like, it's, we're not worshipping the image. Mm. The image is a way to, you know, it's a way to. Um, in the same way that when you are singing a hymn or when you're um, just kind of struck by something in nature or whatever, like, these are kind of windows to God, you know. Mm. Um, and I think that's the important thing to remember with icons is it's not actually about the image at the end of the day. It's being drawn into 
what the image represents and um, ultimately to God. Mm, very cool. Hilary, can I just bring it back to you uh, and your icons for a sec here? Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do? Because I know we've had this amazing conversation about icons and we could probably talk all day about it. Tell me, why do you only produce icons of women? It's a good question. Um, so pretty early on in my journey around icons and producing them for myself, um, I became aware that it is not a traditional thing for women to produce them. <laughs> and um, I mean, you know, there are there are female iconographers out there. Back in the day, it definitely wasn't a thing that women were allowed to do. And um, as a result, you can kind of see when you track back through icons that women in particular are portrayed in particular ways. So they often have uh, head coverings. They often, you know, need to wear white. They often look quite demure. They don't ever really hold anything with anything, any kind of conviction. So, like, if there's a female icon who's, like, holding a cross, she's, like, delicately, you know, <laughs> kind of with her fingers out. The same way you'd hold a wine glass or if you were being really fancy, you know. <laughs> That's how she holds the cross. Oh. Oh, and awful. it's just like, no, <laughs> yeah, like that's not how you hold a cross. And so I, I found myself quickly drawn to the idea of looking at women in particular and going, actually, I want to reproduce icons of women as a woman and think really carefully about the messages I'm sending about women. And so typically, for instance, I don't paint a lot of white clothing for women um, because of all the connotations with hyper purity. I am still wrestling with uh, whether to have head coverings on women. Mm. I think um, so far my thinking has been historically they would have in some contexts. So I, I tend to paint them with head coverings for those contexts but there are some where I do remove them and just mm. go no actually this person doesn't deserve a head covering or doesn't mm. like it doesn't fit with who this person is. So for me it is very much kind of uh, rewriting in in many ways it is a, a act of protest against um only men saying what women were mm. um and it is also uh rewriting women so that actually we see their character um and sometimes those characters aren't perfect sometimes they're really problematic or difficult um i have done a couple of icons where the women are not perfect and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff they've done, but I still want to put her there and still, you know, give her that halo and still like present her as someone who is worthy because even in her compl complexity, she is a person to mm. respect and mm. a person to remember. Yeah, so that's what I do with my icons, uh, and it is a developing journey. There is possibly a point where I may relax my rule about women, particularly because I think uh, there are some communities like um, non-binary communities that I think deserve to also be represented. Mm like relaxing my rules around having particularly femme looking mm. icons um, might be a thing in the future. I'm still kind of trying it, trying to work out how to do that in a way that has integrity. But yeah, that's, that's what I do with my icons. 
Awesome. Hey, if anyone wants to check out your icons, just because we've been talking <laughs> about them for so long. Little um, plug. Yeah, little plug there. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm a fan or anything. Um, totally a fan, disclaimer. Um, I have a number of uh, the of postcards with Hillary's icons on um, in my office, in fact. Uh, where can they... Where can people find you online? Yes, so uh, my website is luminicons.com. I think it is a like tarot poetry, but to be honest, if you just Google Lumen Icons, it'll be fine. And that's um, L-U-M-E-N? Yeah, yeah. Uh, L-U-M-E-N-I-C-O-N-S. Yeah, so there's um, there's a few different options. If you're wanting to buy stuff, there's options there. There's also just galleries there as well. Um, and if you're wanting to commission stuff, um, there's also a place you can go for that. I do have like just one little thing around commissions. Please don't request something I've already done. <laughs> um, because I mean, while, while I get it, you know, some people really want another um, Esther icon or Mary icon. There are so many women to choose from. There are so many women who need to be remembered. So yeah, have a think about it. Look at what I've already done. Um, Yeah, and that's where you can go. Awesome. Thank you so much for all you've shared today, Hilary. It's been, uh, yeah, it's just been so cool. I've learned heaps over this podcast, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, I love it. And I'm definitely going, "Mm, I need to find a really obscure less than perfect female saint who uh, you can paint for me. So I will be thinking hard about that. (laughs) Um, We did, of course, get into this discussion because of the art exhibition Mm -hmm. that's coming up. And you did say at the top of the podcast uh, that we are still looking for submissions. Yes. So if people want to exhibit something, and also I just want to add in there, this is is a safe space. Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. if people... This is an opportunity for people to come to engage with Ordinary Saints. Now, we're offering a space where people can share Mm. art Mm. that reflects on the church from their perspective. Now, we don't have to agree with what's being said. Mm. Um, We're just providing the space where people can come and share something so that we can engage with it and share Mm. uh, with what their experience is. So Mm. how would people, if they want to participate in that, how would they get in touch? On the Facebook page, there's an email link to Sarah. Um, so that is the best way to get in touch. Um, she'll let you know about some of the, some of the, just the little things to be mindful of. We'll need to know what kind of art you're producing and um, how you want it displayed. Yeah, so if you get in touch with, with Sarah, then she can, she can kind of guide you from there. Submissions are closing fairly soon. I think they're closing on the 10th from memory. Uh, that's just from memory. Yeah, if you are wanting to submit something, please do. We're accepting all sorts of, of work. I mean, if you're doing spoken word poetry, if you're doing like music. written music, written things, like all is welcome. We just really want uh, the chance to showcase young people and, and their reflections on the church. So, of course, our links are found in the notes for this podcast episode, so you can reach us there if you didn't catch any of that. Uh, and also we have our email address. Ordinary Saints Podcast at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from some of you. So, once again, thanks so much, Hilary. It's been really fascinating. It's been a great chat. Yeah, Um, it's been great. And we're really excited about the exhibition. So, looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm